Welcome. Thank you for being here, whoever you are, wherever you're from. If you're here for the first time, God bless you, and welcome to Faith Christian Outreach as we kick off a brand new series on this resurrection or the celebration, celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, Happy Easter. It's a special day today. As I said before, we're kicking off a brand new series called Phenomenon. In this series, we're going to discuss a few of the miracles of Christ. You see, one of the 300 plus prophecies that were filled, fulfilled by Christ, who was truly the Messiah, is that he was a miracle worker. So what we understand is he didn't just randomly perform miracles. And Jesus didn't do anything for show. However, the book of John says that if we were to write down the last chapter of John says, if we were to write down everything that Jesus did, all the miracles that he performed, there wouldn't be enough paper in the world. There wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain all the things that, that he did. So in this series phenomenon, we're going to analyze just a few of some of the significant miracles that he did. And we're going to talk a little bit about their meaning, their purpose, and their significance Anyway, uh, each of these miracles. Let's kick it off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I pray, Lord, that as we open up our minds and our hearts, Lord, you will speak to us what you, would, what you want to say in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you're at the right church. Because I, uh, somebody came in. People come in from, from time to time, and they think they're supposed to be at a different church. They'll come in. They'll say, I'm not sure if I'm at the right church. I'm just going to let you know you're at the right church. Okay. <laughs> the word phenomenon means a remarkable or an amazing event or a person. The reason that this is such, such a special day is because this is the weekend. Easter is the weekend that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. The phenomenon that changed history forever. It started a worldwide movement that would, that would actually change the world for eternity. And concerning the resurrection, I want to talk about that. In the time that we have today, I want to talk about the resurrection. And I want to talk about some of the things that made this event a phenomenon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Alright, that's what I wanted to hear. The uh, 8 o'clock service, they were a little bit sleepy. Can you imagine? 8 o'clock service, no. Concerning the resurrection, what made this event, the resurrection, a phenomenon, first of all, was Jesus predicted it. That is very significant. It's very significant that the resurrection of Jesus was predicted by the man himself three times before he did it. In the book of Matthew I believe the 16th chapter, Jesus was walking with his disciples and he stopped them. And he said, I have a question for you. What are people saying about me? Specifically, what are people, who do people say that I am? And one by one, they were given answers. They said, well, some people think that you're Elijah. Some people believe that you're Elijah that has come back. And some people believe that, that, that you're John the Baptist that has risen from the dead. But Jesus stopped him at that, interrupted him and said, but who do you say that I am? In other words, what really matters is who do you say that I am? The scripture says that Simon Peter spoke up and he says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, because you didn't get this from, human, or from being human. Flesh and blood has not revealed this 
But the Spirit has revealed this to you. And, and, and your name is Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. But the next verse, Jesus says, he sternly warns them not to tell anybody that he's the Messiah, which really didn't make a lot of sense to them. In fact, the things that he was going to say to them next didn't, didn't make sense. The 21st verse of Matthew, the 16th chapter, says this. From then on, from when on? From that moment that they believed and confessed that Jesus was the Lord, and from that moment when Jesus confirmed to them that he was the Messiah, from that moment on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him, saying, saying such things, Heaven forbid, Lord. He said, this will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. And I highly recommend that the next time that your friend offends you or, 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 or tries to get you to be tempted in some way, look at your friend and, and say, get away from me, Satan. And then let me know how that goes for you. Because that's going <laughs> to highly recommend that. He says to Peter, says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view. Of course he was. This was not the, the Messiah that, that they thought was coming. From Peter's point of view, this was not Messiah protocol. Messiah was a conquering Messiah. That's what they believed. In Luke 18 and 31, right before the Passover, about seven days before Jesus would be crucified, right before his, right before his grand entrance into Jerusalem, it says, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said to them, listen. Everybody say, listen. He was saying, listen, this is not going to happen the way that you think it is. We're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, I will rise again. The 34th verse says, but they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. Why? Because this was not the Messiah that they were taught was coming. I want you to try to be, I want you to try to imagine being an apostle in those days. One of the 12 disciples, try to walk in their shoes just for a second, that three years before this conversation, you're standing at your job like James and John, you're standing and you're working they were fishermen, so they're standing and they're holding their nets. But they have heard of Jesus. They probably have seen a few of his miracles. They have by now heard of his teaching. There's never been anyone like Jesus. They're thinking that he's fulfilling some prophecies. So, he's standing, so you're standing there and you're at work. And Jesus walks up to you and says, come with me. And I'm going to change your life. Come with me and I will make you fishers of men. Come with me and, I, and we're going to turn the world upside down. The Bible says that they drop their nets. Leave their job. And their father was their employee, uh, employer. They leave their job and they follow Jesus. Think of being Matthew who was a tax collector. He's behind a table collecting taxes. Jesus says, follow me. And he leaves everything. That's what these disciples did. You leave your family. You leave your job. You, you maybe leave your future spouse. You, you, you leave your way of life. And against all the teachings of the religious people that day, against anything that they would say, you go all in on the belief that Jesus is the Messiah that your people have been looking for for centuries. That is the boat that the disciples were in. 
Why? Because they'd seen his miracles. Everyone else, they've heard about the miracles. But you were there and you witnessed food actually appear in front of all of these people. You saw the 5,000 people being fed. You saw that miracle. You saw, you saw that, that, that Jesus, when he was in a boat and this storm was crashing up against, the, the waves were crashing up against the boat. You saw Jesus stand up and speak to the elements. And the Bible says the wind and the sea, they obeyed him. And there was this immediate calm. You were there and you saw the people gasp when Jesus said, rise and be healed. And the crippled person's bones began to pop and and everything came together and their legs were strengthened. And they stood up and they took off running. You saw that happen. You saw blind eyes open. You saw the ears of the deaf open. You saw all of these miracles. You were completely convinced that Jesus came To deliver his people. You saw a dead man walking when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. You saw all of these miracles. Therefore, you were completely convinced that Jesus is about to make his mark on history. And he was taking you with him to rule in the kingdom of God. The way he talked about that. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. But they're thinking, we're going to walk into Jerusalem in a few days. We're going to take over the world. And I get to sit next to Jesus. And you get to sit next to Jesus. And we get to be telling everybody what to do. Because Jesus is taking over the world. And just before he makes his grand entrance into Jerusalem... To set up this kingdom in your mind. To set up this kingdom that would deliver all of your people from Roman oppression. Jesus starts saying things like, oh, by the way, you need to prepare yourself for something. When we enter Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. And ultimately, I'm going to die. But don't worry. I'm coming back in three days. This, wait a minute. We didn't sign up for this. We signed up to rule and reign. We didn't sign up for you. To, what, is, what are you even talking about? That's, why do you think Peter, he's like, he takes Jesus to the side. Hey, hey, you're scaring the children. Why are you saying these things? I think ultimately, that's why Judas turned. Well, we know it was prophetic. But Judas had a choice. That's why he turned. Because he's about to enter Jerusalem. And three years I've been following him. And we know he had issues of greed, right? I've been following Jesus three years. He's talking about dying. Hey, I didn't sign up for this. At least I'm getting paid. I believe that's why Judas actually ultimately turned. And then his triumphal entry into Jerusalem when he actually goes in. Palm Sunday, if you will. That wasn't exactly what they were expecting. Zechariah prophesied it. But that's not, I mean, they weren't paying attention. Zechariah 99 says this. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming in. He's coming to you. He is righteous and he is victorious. Yet he is humble riding in on a donkey. Fear the king who will come in and and conquer the world. Here he comes. He's going to rule and reign. It's been prophesied for centuries. There he is. Shouldn't Shouldn't that say a white steed? You know what I'm saying? Shouldn't that be a, a great bit? Shouldn't the, the apostles and the disciples be coming in with Jesus on, on, on a white horse? Well, he is. They just got the prophecies mixed up, right? 
The first time the Bible says it was prophetic. He comes in as a servant. He comes in as a sacrifice. In those days, if a king went into a city on a, on a colt of a donkey, that, that was a sign of peace. And Jesus entered Jerusalem the first time as a servant. The Bible says, though, and this prophecy hasn't been fulfilled, he isn't just riding in next time. He's coming from the clouds on a white horse. But, that, but that's not what, but they were expecting that kind of triumphal entry. But Jesus, why did he do these things? Why did he do these things? To fulfill prophecy. Old Testament prophecy had to be fulfilled. In Psalm 16 and 10, one of the prophecies about his death and resurrection says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You see, to come back from the dead and to be an example of the resurrection, of what happens to us when we die, you have to first be dead and you have to go into the grave. Why was it such a phenomenon? I believe because it was predicted by the prophets and it was also predicted by Jesus himself. Jesus' death and resurrection would confirm once and for all that he was the Messiah. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So Jesus predicted it. It was a phenomenon because Jesus predicted a major thing. The second reason I believe it was a phenomenon because Jesus illustrated it. He illustrated it in the fact, with the fact that he raised people from the dead with his ministry. Specifically, the one I'm talking about right now is Lazarus being raised from the dead. In John eleven twenty three, 23, Lazarus had, had passed away and he was in the grave. In those days, it, were, it was in a, a tomb or a cave with a stone rolled over it. And after four days, Jesus told Martha, he says, your brother is going to rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise with everyone else at the last day. Jesus said, hey, wait a minute. You're not getting this. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. He's talking about a spiritual death. Even though we pass from this life, our mortal bodies may pass. He's talking about, about the fact that our, our spirits live on in glory. He says, do you believe this, Martha? This is significant because he can do these things, but it is important that you believe. I ask you, like Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Because that's what really matters. In John, the first, John the first chapter, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the term Emmanuel. God with us. And when God stepped into this life, he showed us the way. He didn't just, he's not just a God that doesn't care about us and is up there. You got to do all these things. You got to do X, Y, Z, and then you earn the right to become a child of God. It's not like that. God cared so much about us that he became manifest in the flesh through his son, Jesus. The word became flesh, the Bible says. In John 14 and 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, he didn't just show us the way. Jesus is the way. He didn't just point to the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus didn't just show us how to live. He is life. Amen? He didn't just speak the word. Jesus is the word. He didn't just heal. He was healing. He didn't just feed the hungry. Jesus is the bread of life. He, he didn't just resurrect people from death. He is the resurrection and the life. Amen? Martha, Martha, 
You need to pay attention. I did, I, didn't I tell you this? Didn't I tell you? Once they, they walked out, he has this conversation with Martha. Then they walk out to where Lazarus is, is, is buried. And he said, you're not paying attention. Listen, I said this. And because I am the Messiah, and because I'm going to be raised from the dead, because I have the power of God, because I am God in the flesh, let me show you what this looks like. Let me show you what I'm talking about as an illustration. Can I get somebody, can I get somebody to roll away from the stone from the tomb? Can I get somebody to do that? And all of a sudden, people start thinking, wait, whoa, 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 what's he doing? If you read the story, somebody says to, I think it was actually Martha says, uh, says uh, Jesus, he's been dead four days. He stinketh. No, 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 you don't believe. Let me show And the Bible says he prays this prayer and says it out loud for the sake of the people standing around. God, I know that you always hear me when I pray, and I'm saying this for everybody that's here. I am doing this in front of the religious leaders that don't believe in me. I'm letting everybody know. Nobody's ever done anything like this. I mean, it's, it's one thing that, 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 that you can do. It's another thing to do this in front of everybody. Roll away the stone. He hasn't even come forth yet. Roll away the stone. Everybody get ready. He's coming out of the grave. What, what was he doing? He was illustrating the fact that he has the power over death. And to show us what was, what was going to happen in him. And to show us what was going to happen in the future of our lives. This was a phenomenon because it illustrated the miracle of the resurrection of the dead. Amen. So Jesus predicted it. It was a phenomenon because Jesus predicted it. Jesus illustrated it. And finally, Jesus did it. Now, it's one thing. It's one thing for somebody to show you or to tell you that they're going to do something. It's this significant. Hey, I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to be coming back. It's one thing for somebody to say that. It's another It's another thing for somebody to deliver on that statement. You talk about a drop-the-mic moment. I mean, he delivered. In Luke 24 and 1, it says, be very clear. I'm sorry. But, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of our Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them in dazzling robes. Can I get distracted just for a second? I think the term dazzling robes is a little bit funny. They, they, those angels looked fabulous. You know, I, 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 was, I, I was reading this and stopped for about 30 minutes and focused on this. I probably shouldn't have done that. But the thing is, is I, I, I think that in heaven or at this point that God would appear to people, angels would appear to people in, relevant, in relevance to the clothes that they're wearing of the days. In other words, when I get to heaven and they say, Travis, well done, faithful servant, here's your robe. I'm going to say, can I get some pants? I ain't feeling a robe up in here. It's not good for running. Okay, let's, let's come back. Let's come back. All right. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. But they, then they remembered that he had said this. Oh, yeah, he did tell us that. He predicted it, and then he delivered. 
He predicted it and he delivered. Now, just because somebody says something like this doesn't make it true. But when somebody comes across, uh, let, me, let me give you an illustration. Let me tell you, uh, let's say that once upon a time I might have been a, a decent basketball player. But, you know, now, not so much, okay? You believe that? No, you believe I'm still a really good basketball player, right? Uh, don't believe it for a second. But what if I were to pick out the best baller in the house? And I were to say, hey, listen, we're going to go out to the basketball court out here. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start about midcourt. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to dunk on you. But let me tell you how I'm going to dunk on you. I'm going to fake left, and I'm going to go right. Then I'm going to do a spinning move around my back between my legs. You're probably going to go for the fake. And as you go for the fake, you're going to fall down on the ground. I'm going to head to the goal. And as I head to the goal to overcompensate for the fact that you're behind, you're going to run at me. And you're going to actually try to foul me. But when that happens, I'm going to jump over you and I'm going to do a Michael Jordan dunk. Legs spread in the air like that, tongue hanging out. And I'm going to hit the goal so hard it's going to bust. Backboard's going to bust. Everything's going to crash. Now, if I were to tell you that, would you believe me? You probably wouldn't believe me, right? But we go out there. I'm standing half court with the best baller in the house. I'm saying, okay, I don't think you're ready for this. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happens exactly the way I said. I do the spin, the fake, you fall, you run. Wham! Everybody goes, oh! And then I dab. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You can't dab if you don't deliver. Amen? There was a lot of people, there was a lot of false prophets that did the dabbing or did the mic dropping, but they're still in the grave. They didn't deliver. Jesus delivered. Amen? He did exactly what he said. He slammed it. Amen? Jesus delivered. Here's what this means. It means when he predicted it, when he illustrated it, when he delivered, Jesus, it means that Jesus is the Messiah. When he said, I am the Messiah... And then he says, I'm going to rise from the dead. When he did that, he earned the right to be Messiah. That means what he said was true. He is the only way to God. You know, the best part of that is one of these days when we pass from this life. And if, if the Lord does not return in our lifetime, we're all going to die. I want you to say that to two people. We're all going to die. Just, just get used to it. You just might as well, we're going to pass from this life. But, and here's what happens. They're going to come get your body. They're going to put you in a funeral home. Somebody like me is going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about the wonderful person that you are, if you, if you were. And if you weren't, we just won't talk about it so much. We'll just put you in the ground. Somebody's going to do your funeral. Your family's going to walk away. And people are going to grieve. Your body's going to go into the ground, but your spirit is going to go into heaven if you believe in Christ. But it doesn't end there. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, because Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible says he was the first fruits of the resurrection. He illustrated what happens when we pass from this life for those that belong to Christ. It says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to all believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also, we also believe that Jesus, uh, when he returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then... We will be with the Lord forever, together forever with the Lord. So encourage each other with these words. Yes, when somebody passes from this life, we grieve. I lost someone very dear to me just this past week. And it is hard, and I hate death. I hate the feeling of death. And because of what I do for a living, I do a lot of funerals, and I'm around it a lot. I hate death. I hate what it does to families. I hate the grieving process. And let me tell you something. When I pass from this, this life, there better be lots of grieving. I'm telling you, there better be lots of drama. There better be dragging people off my cast. He was such a wonderful person. But the Bible says that all, although we grieve, we do not grieve without hope. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says that our bodies are going to come out of this ground out of the ground, our spirits are going to connect with our bodies. We're going to have glorified bodies, and we are together forever with the Lord. Amen? The Bible says that we can be encouraged about this. One of these days, when we are together forever with our families, with our loved ones, the Bible says there's not going to be any more sickness. There's not going to be any more disease. There's not going to be any more pain or suffering. There's not going to be any more death, and there's not going to be any more tears because we're going to be together forever with our Lord. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Celebrate that. In life or in death, we don't despair because of the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope today? Do you have that hope? Jesus not only predicted his death and resurrection, but he illustrated it and then he finally did it. And this phenomenon changed the world and changed the outcome of our destiny and eternal life. But you have to receive that hope. Jesus says that for those who accept him as Lord and Savior, for those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. And what that means is one of these days, it means two things. One of these days, first of all, when you die... By believing, you have been given the right to be in heaven and with the Lord. And second of all, every time somebody passes from this life, and I want to tell you something, the older I get, I just had a birthday yesterday. Everybody say happy happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate that. It was very thoughtful. The older I get, the more significant that this is. The more funerals I do, the more more people that I've lost, the the, the more significant it is for me that one of these days I'm going to look into the eyes of my grandfather and my great-grandfather. And I'm going to look into the eyes of my brother and my sister. And I'm going to look into the eyes of the people that have gone on before me that I've lost, that I've had to say goodbye to. But the Bible says that I don't grieve without hope because to say goodbye for us, the believer, is to say goodbye for now. In other words, I'm going to see you again. I'm just saying goodbye for right now. Amen? We have a hope in Jesus Christ. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today, for speaking to us by your word and by your spirit. I pray that you will minister in this house to everyone.
especially to those that don't know you, especially to those that don't have the hope of the resurrection. And maybe for those here today that have lost loved ones, Lord, maybe there are people that need hope and to be encouraged for those who have passed in their lives. Bring that hope and salvation today in Christ's name. As your heads are bowed, maybe God is speaking to you today. I would like for you, first of all, to ask yourself, what is God saying to me today? And second of all, I would like for you to consider your response. What is God saying? I want to first speak to the Christian. You're here today. Maybe God has been dealing with you. Maybe you have lost a loved one recently. Maybe you've lost a loved one here in the past and you've struggled with hope. You've struggled with being encouraged. I just want to pray with you right now. I think, it's, I think that this is a great moment to pray for healing in the lives of people and to be encouraged with the resurrection of our Lord. Can I pray with you right now? Let's just all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for those that are here. Lord, death is an enemy of the cross, but it is a part of the cursed world that we live in until you come and you set this world straight. We deal with this. Lord, for those here today that might have lost loved ones, for those here today that are hurting, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you will comfort every person and you will bring healing. And may we remember your words that you are the resurrection and the life. And we will remember the words in Thessalonians that says that we do not grieve without hope. Yes, we might grieve, but we have a hope in the resurrection of our Lord. We have a hope of salvation that we will see our loved ones again and we will together be with them forever. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life for whatever reason. Maybe you have never surrendered your life to Christ. You have never said, Jesus, come and be Lord of my life. Or maybe your story is that you walked away from God. He was Lord and Savior of your life, but you walked away from God. You've gotten away from him, and you've lived a life that's displeasing to the Lord. And today, you're here for a reason. If you're here today and you don't know God, you're not here by accident. He is speaking to you right now about coming home, and I would love to lead you in a prayer. Listen, I won't ask you to stand. I won't come down to where you are. I'm not going to single you out. You're not going to be embarrassed in any way. I just want you to pray a prayer, exactly the type of prayer that I just prayed, to receive the Lord. Two things happen when you give your life to Christ. As I said before, you're made right with God. You go to heaven when you pass from this life. You're not eternally separated from God. And the second thing that happens is, you join your family and your loved ones in the next life. If that's something that you feel uh, you want to experience and you're not experiencing that because, or you feel like you don't experience that because you don't know Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. But before I pray, I just want to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, if you can say, Travis, I'm not right with God, but before I leave here, I'd just like for you to lead me in that prayer, and I'm going to pray it with you. Just let me know by slipping your hand up and slip it down. Travis, I'm going to pray with you. See your hand here. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Travis, that's me. I'm going to pray that prayer with you. And today I'm coming home. Just let me know you're serious. I'm going to just ask one more time, then we're going to pray. Anybody else? 
All right, we're going to pray. I don't know if I saw everybody. I know we had at least one or two. I would like for you to repeat this prayer with me. And today's the day that you're going to come home today. Mean this with all of your heart. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. And take my life and use it for your cause. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.